0: And today we have a very special
1: guest with us. We have Sarah Bessie uh, with us today. Um, Sarah, will you tell us uh, a little bit about you and, you know, who you are, where you're from and all that good stuff.
2: Oh, sounds good. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're equal opportunity, even for those of us who lack facial hair. So that's good news. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm Sarah. I live just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, um, and in a town called Abbotsford. Uh, Be married for about 19 years, have four kids. Um, I'm a writer, and so I uh, wrote a book called Jesus Feminist a few years ago, and then uh, Out of Sorts. Um, and then my most recent book just came out this last month called Miracles and Other Reasonable Things. I also um, am the, the co host and co creator of the Evolving Faith uh, Gathering and Community, which I started uh, with my friend uh, Rachel Held Evans. Um, who passed away earlier this year. And then uh, we are continuing on with, uh, with that gathering. I do a bit of preaching, a bit of speaking here and there. Um, and I think that's probably about it. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that about covers that how I spend my days anyway.
1: That's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to know you're from uh, Vancouver. I, I live just south of Alberta, uh, okay. here in Montana. I, I, so all right. Yeah, I grew yeah. up
2: actually in Calgary, oh. uh, so just north of you, and yeah. uh, spent a lot of time driving in Montana. I don't know if you guys still have that, but you back in the 90s, you guys didn't even have speed limits on highways.
1: Uh, we have speed was, limits now, but they're it not It was a low. hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> it's so much fun.
2: Uh, Listen, we would just hit that Montana highway when we would go shopping in the States, and it would be a lot of fun. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, Albertans still do that. You guys okay, uh, pass sure us do. on the interstate often.
2: <laughs> with, their great, with our great big trucks, Albertans. And, it,
1: and, yeah. it's not, and it's not that we're driving slow either.
2: <laughs> Listen, Canadians get very excited about American speed limits.
1: They do. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, we, we drove to Calgary this summer, and it seemed like it's
2: forever. <laughs> I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well good. So, well thanks for uh being on. Matt, go ahead.
0: Well I was gonna say so you have a new book out. Um and I had read through it last week and um as you, you know so tell us about this new book.
2: Oh um sure well uh it's a little bit different than my first two books. My uh first two books were a little bit more you know kind of taking a theological idea um and then, kind of, you know, writing into it. And, and, and you know, always a, little, a lot of memoir or storytelling kind of woven throughout. Um, but this book is definitely more straight memoir. Um, it is a telling of just my way of grappling with healing and miracles. I came of, uh, I grew up within the um, charismatic renewal movement and and particularly within you know the community of word of faith or uh, prosperity gospel stuff and so i had some unpacking around miracles to do and around what um healing looked like and so about a number of years ago i was in a, a car accident and It just became this demarcation in my life, of my life before and my life since uh, then. And so leaning into some of those questions around uh, the miraculous and exploring what it means to hold space for healing, but expanding our definition of what that could be, um, it's a little bit weird. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it pulls the curtain back, I think, a little bit more on the Holy Spirit um, and that part of my life that I've oftentimes, you know, kept quite hidden, I think, um, as I've kind of, uh, you know, stepped out into public ministry. Certain, sometimes there's aspects of your faith that you kind of keep very close. Uh, in a lot of ways, I felt like I couldn't continue in public, any form of public ministry without telling the story, because so much of what I understood about God um, and about myself was reset over these years and so yeah I'm really proud of it I mean it's one of those ones where I felt like it would either really connect with people or really really not there was not going to be a middle ground (laughs) and in a lot of ways it's been um, really gratifying this last number of weeks to see it connect with people in the way that I had hoped that it would Um, I think particularly because a lot of times people like me who live with chronic illness or um, you know, are part of that company of people who have unanswered prayers. We don't often see our stories reflected back to us in, um necessarily in a lot of Christian conversations. And so uh, that was important to me, I think to to be able to kind of hold up a mirror to that and say, here's, here's what it looks like to walk that out.
1: You know, there's, there's, there's something about miracles today and, and you touched on it. we, we kind of hold that in, don't we? Um, yeah. we're not quick to talk about, um, I'm going to say everyday miracles, mm-hmm. uh, but not, not to discount miracles. Um, but to, to hopefully pull out the idea that they're all around us and they're not, uh, it's not something that quit happening, you know, when, when, when Jesus left or, or, you know, back in those days, but they still, happen today and why why do you think it is that we hold um hold those so close or hold them in or or don't talk about miracles and the things that happen to us in the the context of miracle
2: um you know I think there's a number of reasons why that is I think you know everybody kind of comes to these conversations from a different you know path right or a different way of, of understanding them but um I know for me coming of age during um A lot of conversation around miracles and almost a demand or an expectation, right, of miracles. Uh, I think a lot of us came out of that experience feeling deeply wounded, right? And you almost feel like, um, so for instance, you know, people who maybe grew up in or, or were first introduced to God... Uh, Under a lens of God's sovereignty or under a lens of, you know, everything is ordained by God. And so if you have cancer or if you, you know, find yourself in this particular, you know, life or if things don't go the way, that's because God meant that to happen. Um, And even though there is that can make create some complicated, um, you know, theological implications around what how you then view the nature and character of God. Um, You know, does it make God abusive? Does it make God, you know, someone who ordains evil? You know, those sorts of questions. In a way, that's almost comforting, right? Because everything came from God. Whereas those of us who, you know, were first introduced to God as someone who uh, wants your flourishing, wants your health, wants your healing, wants um, you to be prosperous in body and mind and spirit gives you, I'm incredibly grateful still to this day for the beautiful picture of God that that gave me. Um, But then the flip side of that then is that when your life doesn't match up with those formulas, um, you're the one to blame. Right. And so I think a lot of us who were in that camp um, have some baggage around miracles and expectations and, um, and those sorts of things because we experience either abuse or wounding maybe with within it. And so it left us a bit gun shy, right, to talk about, because I think if you live longer than a hot second, you realize that not everybody gets the miracle, right, the way that they expected it or wanted it um, or needed it. Perhaps to happen. And so then you're living within a reality that says, okay, well, if this didn't work for me, then how do I talk about it? And so I think that if then we were really focused on the now of the kingdom of God, and we had no theology for the not yet of the kingdom of God. Uh, If anything, there's probably been uh, an overcorrection where we spend so much time on the not yet of the kingdom of God that we forget there still also is sometimes a nail Um, and expanding that definition, being able to hold I think the both and rather than the either or instead of saying there's never any such thing as miracles or there's always miracles. uh, What does it look like to kind of expand that um, language or conversation to be inclusive of those of us who have different experiences with those? Does that
1: make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Because okay. um, you're right. We, we focus as people. We're either we're almost either or, right? We're right. The right now or, well, it's down the road or it's over right. here. Right. And, and I think that's what often causes us to miss those, those moments of, oh, there it was. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think that's why the, the, the question of where do you find God at work in your life is so important because it causes us to pause and go, oh. <laughs> right, right
0: there. <laughs> um, i think
2: even that um i like that question a lot um, because it it places um an openness for curiosity about god mm-hmm. that i think sometimes when we think we have all the answers or we think we know we have the box constructed here's how god works here's how god acts here's how god speaks here's how these things show up in your life it, it uh, cultivates curiosity and wonder in your life and i think that's a great question to ask
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I got that sense from like your, your chapter on prayer really touched like that was that if there was a chapter that really resonated with me, Mm -hmm. it was that chapter. Um, And some of it comes just some of the the journey that I've walked with prayer and, and it being so central part of my life. um, And now kind of in this phase of reconstructing it and rethinking about, you know, expanding it. I'm not really, just expanding a, a, a solid understanding Um, the story you tell about your son, just like, I mean, that just like, like, that's a sermon, (laughs) that's a sermon (laughs) illustration and I'm grabbing a chair next Sunday when I preach on prayer and I'm sitting it there (laughs) and you know, like it, it just, it touched me in such a way that, um, calling our attention to the small things that, that we so miss out on everything that's going on in our world because we get so inundated with everything else that we miss out on those small opportunities that god has presented to us um that we may have not ever noticed and that that, the whether it's answered prayers or unanswered prayers or you know when you're when you're when you're from oklahoma the garth brooks unanswered prayer song always seems to pop up in your head when you think of unanswered prayers and um, that's just horrible (laughs) so bad on so many levels Um, (laughs) <laughs>
2: but,
0: um, <laughs> and I may get kicked out of Oklahoma for that I
2: was um, going to say you're taking your life in your hands uh, <laughs> uh, between
0: but, Oklahoma you know, like,
2: and the Albertans <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know I think you know the singing look, look at your book I, I really got that sense of uh, of letting go it's just kind of a release I felt like the, there was a release for you in this uh, book like you were just kind of letting go of something reconciling I guess it would be mm-hmm. the, the correct way of kind of looking at that yeah, I
2: think, I think that that's um, probably one of the undercurrent themes of a lot of my work is I oftentimes feel like I'm writing for people who are in that liminal space who are in between. They've left something and they're not yet sure where they're going or where they're, where they're going to be landing. Um, so sometimes you can call that deconstruction or, you know, and a lot of times I call that uh, wilderness, right? There's this sense of wandering almost to it um, and being able to I think name and set up tables in that sort of wilderness and say, there's still, this isn't, you know, a place you've landed because, you know, somehow you've lost, you know, the plot, right. Or you've lost Jesus, right. And a lot of times you end up in those places of reconciling and pulling things together and saying, what do I want to keep? What do I want to toss? What are the things that are worth carrying with me? And what are the things that I really need to lay down? Um, Those I think are really valuable questions.
1: And so, so when, when, so we all encounter people in that in between, right? And and often we're in that in between our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe. hmm, What's my question? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a verbal processor, clearly. Um, and so, so uh, maybe that's one of the reasons it becomes so hard uh, or difficult because we're, we're in this in-between space rather than the not yet or the now and, and whether it's through prayer and, and making space uh, and, and creating this space and inviting uh, or just acknowledging God's presence in that space, that in-between uh, is so hard. Between where we've let go and where we land, between the not yet and the now, um, that's a hard space to be as a, as a person, uh, I think no matter what context we're in, because we, we want to know there's, there's a, there's not a lot tangible to grab onto there. Um, and especially when you're, when you're in the spiritual world of, of miracles and prayer in these things that you can't always put your hands on. Um, that's a tough place to be.
2: It is. I think that the, the thing that often happens is very disorienting. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of times there's a, um, a threshold, right. When it comes to those sorts of things, um, you know, whether it, and, and I mean, and again, it's a lot of fun to talk about, you know, rethinking what you think about miracles or, you know, atonement theory or you know whatever else it is that, like, you know, you want to hang out in the pub over your IPA and talk to your bud, your buddies about, it. and it's a lot of fun. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that what, um, what I have found in my conversations with people, is that that's a season of life that the church doesn't necessarily shepherd really well. Um, when you, because it's it's all for the fun of it until you kind of come to these thresholds that usually what propels you over that threshold into the, into the wilderness is grief, right? There's something that you have encountered where the formulas don't work for you anymore. The ways that you've always encountered God, the things that you always were sure about, you know, um, have disappeared for you the street signs for how you have always known how to follow God uh, or know God, and so I think that you know it can happen over and over again in your life. You know, what, uh, you know, for me, of course, this was you know more related to you know a, a actual physical thing that happened, but it can happen because of a, a million other ways that we experience grief or experience loss and proximity to it, um, where all of a sudden you're kind of left going wait a minute, this is not according to the plan. (laughs) This is not how it was supposed to go. This isn't how it was supposed to work out for me. I thought it was going to be different for me. Um, You know, and a lot of people who write about spiritual formation and write about, um, you know, how we kind of follow these paths, whether it's Fowler or Raccord, they talk about this kind of middle disorientation place. Richard uh, Richard Rohr calls it, you know, the, the order disorder, you know, reorder. And I think that a lot of times when you find yourself there, it's disorienting and it's scary. A lot of times there's a lot of loss to it, right? You've lost a picture of God. You've lost sometimes people whom you love and you've walked with for a long time um, because sometimes the people around you don't know how to relate to the new you, right, that you're becoming in those spaces. And so, yeah, I think it is. It's, it's one of those things. It's a very tender time in people's lives. And I don't know um, that we name it or talk about it enough. We act like it's, it's not normal. Right. And sometimes just even for people, you know, who find themselves in that spot, being able to hear like, that's okay. It's entirely normal. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. This is part of how, how it looks, right. How, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to grow up in the faith. And I think that that's um, even hearing that as a pastoral response.
0: Well, I think it's because we find ourselves like, I've, been to- I find, I've found myself talking about this a lot lately where people just want this like straight, narrow easy right and it's like welcome
2: welcome to the world yeah i'm like (laughs) uh,
0: and so my question has always been to these people that like fight that like like no it's got to be like you know it's got to be you know this i was like where in the bible is it even perfect (laughs) even jesus like even when jesus comes back everybody has this like expectation that it's going to be like you know i always say uh on um on I call it Celebration Sunday, but um the um Triumphant Sunday when he comes into the temple, whatever liturgical day that is, the uh um because it's Passions Palm, Palm, pa- oh, yeah, Palm, Palm Passion Palm Passion Sunday. Gosh, my I need more coffee. <laughs> it, um but how
2: is it possible the charismatic just schooled the Methodist on Palm uh, <laughs> Sunday? I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna make make a little notch somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You definitely get, get, a, some you point. get a you get a gold star for that one today. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: the um you know for palm sunday you know i always i always tell people they have this image of arnold schwarzenegger on a white stallion coming in to kick some ass and that's not what happened and so like how can we in our faith journey expect it to be exactly like that when it's you know jesus teaches us to pray it's god's kingdom to be done and even that is like a like we don't have that you know like we have you know technically we actually do have a script and it's messy and it's complex and it's you know it's ever-changing but you know I think I think we need to continually find ourselves in a sense of um, reorientation and asking ourselves you know is you know is what I'm doing healthy or am I just doing it because I've always you know that's what I've always done right and how is that leading to growth um, I, and that was one thing I was, when I was reading your book it's like that we we in the church have not done a really good job of teaching people how to grow. Mm -hmm. It's just an expectation of growth, but we don't tell you that that growth is painful and it's hard and it's difficult and it causes you to maybe not do something the way that you had done before. Um, because maybe it wasn't working or maybe it wasn't helping you grow in your faith. You just assumed it was because it, well, it looks good on paper. Um, and you know, I think that when we talk about these things and, being able to provide a space kind of like this where we can actually say, Hey, like, no, it's not this clean. Um, it's, it's messy, it's dirty. And, and, and that's how things grow. They grow in that messiness. You know, you think of how things grow, uh, in a garden, at least how I've been told, I'm not really, I'm, I've got more brown thumbs <laughs> than I do green thumbs. But from what I've been able to observe on YouTube and other things that grow things, like it takes cultivation and like, you know, really getting, um, into it that, that makes a difference. And, you know, so, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I guess I don't have a question for that, but just, you know, how.
2: I think you're, what you're um, exploring too even is, you know, sometimes I think that with the expectation of perfection or of ease, um, we don't realize how much sometimes prosperity about gospel is kind of like rooted really just in our understanding of of really everything now. Um, that, you know, if you're a good person, if you, you know, love Jesus, that somehow, you know, the path just opens up before you and, you know, angels will sing and, you know, <laughs> that kind of great stuff. And I think that what you're touching on there is is almost like the permission that we give uh, our kids, right? Um, you know, I'm a mom of four. And so that's, you know, oftentimes a lens through which I encounter God and... It's not to say, of course, that's the only way to encounter God. But for me, that's a, you know, that's, that's one of the ways where I, I often, you know, learn those things. And, and I hear sometimes myself saying things to my kids and almost feeling the Holy Spirit kind of like catch me by the back of the neck and be like, listen to yourself, because I'll say things like, you know, if they're frustrated because they're having a hard time learning to read or, you know, mastering a particular skill and, you know, they come, will come into it almost with the expectation that I should just know how to do it. Right. And so being able to say things like you're not supposed to know how to do it. This is this is you learning. That's exactly what this is. This is for. It's for you to practice. Right. That school is often practice or that these things are practice. And so in a lot of ways, I think that way about, um, you know, my discipleship with Jesus, that you're not supposed to know it all right now right, that we're always changing in response to the unchanging one, that we are, you know, if, if Jesus is is moving in our lives or moving in the world, we're always shifting our position to keep that in view, right, and a lot of that has an, an element of practice of making mistakes, um, you know, of getting it wrong uh, and owning that and, and resetting again, right, and, 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 uh, and reorienting again. And I think that, you know, the expectation of perfection and never stepping out of line um, is something that does a lot of damage in the church, in our lives, uh, in our discipleship even. Because there's, you know, there's got to be a sense of experimentation and fun and learning uh, when it comes to following Jesus, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's that. Jesus teaches us that lessons, that lesson over and over again through the disciples throughout the gospels. I mean, constantly Jesus will do something, will tell a parable, will teach a lesson, and it's not the people sitting around listening who ask the questions most often. It's the disciples, the ones who are constantly with Jesus that are going, "I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me again? Um, can Can you show us a miracle, Jesus? It, Jesus is going yeah. really." Yeah, <laughs> of all the people that are here, <laughs> it's you guys. <laughs> and 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 always, it's okay. Yeah. Let me show you one more time. Let me tell you one more time. Uh, yes, you're with me, but here it is again. Right and here it is again. And here it is again. Um, and and yeah, there's some frustration there. Like you said, like with with your kiddos. Oh. <laughs> You want to see frustration. <laughs> there, there are a few things you that will we'll expo-
2: you, you, uh, you think that you're one sort of person and then someone puts you in the room with the three-year-old. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you find out you find out who you really are.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. Exactly. But giving giving yourself and giving your kids that permission to go, yeah, you're not supposed to know this. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to know this. Uh, and my expectation for you is to ask questions, is to learn, mm. is to struggle through, is to be in the in-between space of knowing and not knowing in finding an answer. right? Absolutely. And, and if you fall down and scrape a knee in the, in trying to find it, so be it. We've learned something else, you know?
2: Yeah. And, um, and welcoming that, I think, even, I mean, I remember, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, and, and a big part of the reason why even um, Rachel and I, you know, kind of cultivated and created Evolving Faith was because um, we recognized that it's a very lonely time right, in people's lives, and you do when you are, you know, kind of rethinking what you think about that, and, and 15 years ago, when I w- was going through, a, you know, probably my first experience of deconstruction, that first kind of really disorienting one, I remember, um, you know, people around me who were very well-meaning, saying things like, you just need to have faith like a child, Right. They would say things like that, like, and, and the code for that was stop asking questions. <laughs> the code for that was just accept the faith that you have been given. Stop peeking under the rocks and looking behind curtains. Stop disrupting the narrative of how we understand and experience God. Um, you're not keeping, you know, the, the, the ship steady here. Um, you know, you need to have faith like a child. Just accept what you've been given. You know, it, and that used to feel patronizing to me at the time but now on this side of it, of, you know, having a house full of small humanity, you can kind of look at it and be like, I'm sorry, have you ever even met a kid? <laughs> like, literally all they do is ask questions. Right. All they do is disrupt. All they do is peek under the, you know, the covers and look, you look behind the curtains and disrupt, you know, the, the things. And so I think that even that feels a little bit disingenuous. I don't think that necessarily having faith like a child means that you just unquestionably, unquestionably accept or acquiesce without thinking. Um, what I have seen instead in my kids is that they they ask questions because they genuinely want to know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part of having faith like a child that I want to embrace is that wonder, that curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a, an earnestness, right? Not from a, what can I do to take away things that are precious? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But what can I, uh, but something that is uh, a very earnest yearning to know God, a very earnest yearning to know ourselves and how this you know kind of uh, unfolds and so you know the thing that used to feel patronizing now feels invitational to me uh, right from that perspective yeah
0: you know sarah we'd, i would love to continue the uh, conversation but uh, i know we're kind of uh on time today and so we want to point everybody to the book it's uh, miracles and other reasonable things um and you can find that wherever you buy books um Unless, you know, you don't buy books and then there's probably, it's probably in digital spaces that you buy books too. Um, and so I encourage you to, to, to pick up that book uh, and uh, give it a good read. And, um, you know, Sarah, we thank you for coming on the show. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. Uh, we'd thank definitely you. love to have you on. And so um, for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. We hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the Bearded Theologians Beardcast, and we'd encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our Facebook page. We also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection. Have a good day.